I love it. Let's uh, uh, tap Troy Rank into this conversation. Troy of Denver 7 joins us courtesy of Rocks Heating and Air. Um, let's talk about this practice facility uh, that we found out about this morning. What are your big takeaways from this? Yeah, I mean, the Walden Penner Group has the money to pursue excellence when it comes to stuff like this. And so it's going to allow them more specifically to bring their business and football operations into the same building. Right now, the business operations folks work over at the stadium. So that's not ideal. I mean, I, people say, oh, it's only 15 miles or whatever, but it's just not ideal. You'd rather all be in the same building on different floors, obviously, but in the same building. For the players, it'll be state-of-the-art. Everything, as Quinn Miner said today, will be science-backed in terms of their training and how they regiment it and having everything in one building will help that. You know, the fan experience, it'll be interesting to see how it all looks at the end. I know they want to keep the berm. Uh, it should be similar kind of to how it is now. This, is, this, though, is more about creating a facility that ties in the organization in terms of business, football, everything together, uh, pursuing one goal. And I think if they had one thing to do over again, I'm standing in the field house now talking to you, they would have made the field house much bigger where you could see, have stands in here so you could have high school games, lacrosse games, soccer games. There's really no room on the sides other than if you do a youth event, you can't do anything beyond that. Uh, but the field house isn't changing. It's just going to be a much different footprint in how they bring that building. Because that building you all see now where it says Pat Bolin or Paul Bolin, the building on the corner over there, that's be by the 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 drawn individuals I saw. That's going to be demolished, and so mm. everything will be back over on this side, hooked around kind of kind of that U shape or shoehorn shape, um, horseshoe shape around uh, the, the side now, and the field will be a little bit different direction. So I'm excited for fans. I'm excited to see how it all looks. It's just a long time away, for being frank. Yeah. With that being said, uh, Troy, with the new facility being built. Is that an indicator that there may possibly be the stadium being built as well? Well, listen, that's on the table. That at least comes up if memory serves in 2030. So we've got some time there. Would I be surprised if they built a new stadium, whether it's downtown or out by the airport? I would not. Uh, again, I'm spoiled that you guys are talking about not going to games. I didn't go to my first Broncos game until I was a senior in college. Mm. So I didn't you know, know what that looked like at professional level, but uh, when I went to games these last seven, I've covered the NFL now, I think 13 years total. Some of these modern facilities, the SoFi Stadium, the Stadium Allegiance in Vegas, the one that the Vikings, I mean, when you go to those in Broncos country that travels, you could see why you'd want a new stadium. And SoFi would be the one because they're building up around that. The Clippers' new arena is like a block down from that. But you build these villages around it. Right. And so that's why, Phil, I wouldn't be surprised because the Walton Penner, at their core, they're business people. And they understand that you know, if you put a stadium somewhere where you can create a shopping center, a movie theater, and all. So the, basically it becomes a destination location outside of the nine games you play per year or the, the concerts. And that's the kind of the trick of the NFL is to have these beautiful facilities, but they have more of a year-round purpose than the football on Sundays eight times, nine times a year. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's a I think it's a relevant question there from Phil, and, and I do think it's an indicator. I, I really do. I believe they are going to uh, start over somewhere. And 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 Troy, you said, hey, that issue is not up until um, twenty thirty. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying that because uh, that's, that's when the lease, lease is up. Exactly. And you, it, I think they want to own. I don't think they want to lease. I yeah. think they, yeah, I, I, I agree. And but could you know, I'd love to see it stay downtown. Selfishly. 
but I also understand that they're a little bit landlocked down there in terms of if you have ambition for projects and it's just not a lot of room unless you went into kind of business with the Cronkies on the other side of the interstate and kind of combine stuff that way. But if you don't, there's just not a lot of room on the footprint where the stadium is now if you wanted to make it a shopping center and movie theater and all these other things. Like Patriots, the Patriots have done that in New England. And, again, they're going to. it's starting to happen. It's in its infancy stages. And by SoFi, uh, you need a large footprint for that to happen. And that's why I don't know if that could be accomplished downtown. Troy, now let's get on a little football talk here. Sean Payton talked about Marvin Mims getting more involved in, in the offense. Can you please explain how that will be going forward in your opinion? Yeah, Mims the word, no longer Mums the word. <laughs> Listen, it's been baffling to me. Phil, you've been in these meetings, and it's the idea, like, everyone in the world knows this guy's our most dynamic player, and then he's gotten, what, two catches over the last four weeks? Yeah. I hope he went as a ghost for Halloween because that's what he's been. <laughs> it's been ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, there's just no explanation for it. Not a good one. And sometimes it does come down to trust. Like, I get it. Sometimes in the media, we make things seem a lot simpler. He's your best player. Get him the ball eight, ten times. I get that it's a week-to-week league, and there's things that prevent that. And I do understand there's a trust issue with rookies. But, but, every time he does something, it's explosive outside of one botched kickoff that hit his face mask in the sun at Chicago. Like, he just needs more opportunity. That's why, frankly, I thought they were going to move on from Jerry Judy and you get a third and a fifth, it's not great, but it was also to clear a path for Mims yeah. to get eight to ten targets a game. And so how do you do that moving forward? You just make it – they don't throw downfield. They don't throw over the middle a lot. It's just like get him on slants, put him in the slot, move Jerry outside, and say we're getting three slants to Marvin, and we're going to go deep at least once, and he's going to be on punt. He's got to touch the ball eight to ten times. Hmm. So he's gonna, he needs to be on a reverse. He needs three to four targets, and then he needs to be, what, two or three punt returns. That's the minimum, bare minimum for me. If you want to go six and three, seven and two over these last nine games, you cannot explain to me with any rationale that he can't be touching the ball 10, 12 times a game. Troy, uh, primetime games have been a disaster here for the Broncos for the last year and a half. What is your confidence level uh, going into Buffalo for Monday Night Football? Yeah, it would have been better, honestly, if Buffalo had beaten Cincinnati because their they're, they're seasons now hanging by a thread where they're five and four, the ninth best record in the AFC. So they, that's some it's become a, almost like, feels like a must win game for them. So I, it's less confidence as weird as that sounds based on them losing to Cincinnati. But I will say this. I mean, I've talked to players on record, off records. I'm talking about 10, 12 guys over the last week or so. The reason the Broncos are confident and why I'm not saying they're going to win is I think they're like an eight point dog, but the reason they're confident is they're finally playing complimentary football, which hasn't happened here in years. Their special teams have been really good for the most part. I mean, great at times. And the fact they're running the football and they're slowing the run with putting Mike Purcell inside their defense in the red zone. The last five weeks is the best in football and against the chiefs. They only allowed one touchdown and eight attempts. So those are things you can hold on to. But to do it on the road in prime time against Buffalo and Josh Allen, that's going to be tough. I, I would say this. The reason I give him a chance is Josh Allen is basically playing high school football. It's, Josh, run 10 times for 70 yards, two rushing touchdowns, throw 50 times, and somehow carry us because no one else can do anything around here. Because they're so one-dimensional and it forces Allen into mistakes, it gives the Broncos a chance. But they're an underdog for a reason. If they win that game, now all of a sudden you can start talking about, okay, 
they could have a winning record because you look at the schedule and there's some winnable games then. Even if they lose this, they could get to 6-6. Six and six. But if you win this game, now you could go, okay, they could possibly get to nine wins based on beating Kansas City once and then beating Buffalo. Now you got something. But my reason for hope, Josh, or Zach, would be that Josh Allen is asked to do too much and he just turns the ball over two or three times. Mm-mm-mm. Well, Troy, we got to get to talk a little bit about the CU bus, man. Yes, 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 yes. Can yes. you please enlighten everybody, your opinion on the Sean Lewis situation? I mean, we're sitting here kind of, I'm kind of scratching my head. So can you please uh, enlighten me to why they would make this move? Um, if you, if you, if, if you can, please. Yeah, I, I just, from afar, I don't understand it. You brought the guy back. He left a head coaching job to be your coordinator. You paid him a bunch of money and you bail on him. I understand they weren't running the ball and his, the inability to get the ball out quickly to save Shador from hits, especially against USC was criminal, but you go to him and say, this is what we're going to do. You don't then promote Pat Shermer, demote Tim Brewster to add Shermer. I mean, listen, I'm the last guy to ask about punt Shermer. Yeah. His offenses here were terrible. He was condescending. He hated dealing with the media. It was awful in every sense of the word. So I will never defend Deion Sanders for promoting Pat Shermer to offensive coordinator. But you look at his resume in like 25 years of coaching. He's had like two or three good offenses. It right. doesn't make any sense right. other than you want to run the football, but you couldn't go to your previous coordinator and just tell him, listen, we're going to run the football. We're going to throw slants. Stop running routes that take three to four seconds to develop. Plus, this is the thing, and I believe what Deion Sanders has done is remarkable. He's changed the recruiting paradigm in college football, but, but, and it's fair because this is when you take these roles, you earn criticism. Yeah. At times now, these last two, three weeks, it looks like he's coaching his son, not the team. Mm. And that's a problem. And I love Shador, and I love what Dion has done, but he's making moves to me that he's coaching his son, not the team. And when you do that, you undermine your confidence in the offensive line. I mean, how can the offensive line have any confidence right now knowing they're all going to be replaced? You don't say that out loud. That's, right. that's a behind-the-scenes thing. Yeah, right. And secondly, you don't promote Pat Shermer as some kind of savior. Like, did Dion not know that he coached here in Denver? Like, I just don't get it. I really don't. And again, if they never win another game this season, I don't care. It's been a huge win, yeah. but if they're going to move forward, they've got to fix the O-line, D-line, or they're not going to be a 7-8 win team. They just can't do it. No, Troy, and, and, I, and I said what you said yesterday, packaged in a different way. It feels like things have trended toward uh, the Shador show, and I'm a fan of Shador. He's an incredible talent. He'll be a first-round draft pick, but that's what it feels like, man, and, and it feels like a, a, a football decision was made on behalf of a program uh, what what I think I could fairly speculate was an emotional decision because there's nothing right. there's not enough football things I can point to to why you would do this uh, after one bad performance against UCLA. Well, he did so this at Jacksonville State too, mm. he demoted his coordinator and promoted TC Taylor in the middle of the season. Dion's done this before. Again, the problem is to do it at this level in this conference this year. Right. Normally, you'd be fine because Arizona stinks, Oregon State stinks, Washington State stinks. You got wins on the schedule. They just don't exist really this year. That's just the Pac-12 in its last year. I don't know that it's ever been better from a football standpoint. Nope. And to do it now, and it just, it, and then you're, you just start when you start throwing coaches under the bus and O linemen under the bus. Like, yes, yes, that's it's just it's very slippery slope. Like you said, it just becomes about one player and getting him to the league. And him, and typically when you make decisions for one and you take decisions for me, not we. It do- doesn't usually work out in a team sport. 
Yep. Uh, Troy, great stuff. Uh, thank you for your time today. Yep. All right, there he goes. Troy Rank uh, presented by Rocks Heating and Arrow.